Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to a defensive edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. If you hear a noise in the background, well, it's either lightning bolts literally in the sky or it's just me shaking off some rust. Damn, I have really missed this and I'm glad to be back. Thank you all for supporting uh, the show. We really do appreciate it. And in fact, before we actually get started, I, I really want to encourage and invite everyone to join our support team. It's $18 a year. You get access to Zoom calls. You get every recording early. Uh, I'm recording this Sunday in the wee hours uh, overnight, and uh, you'll probably get this on Sunday if you're part of that crew as opposed to Tuesday or Wednesday whenever it drops. And uh, and you'll get both shows, the offense and defense, with all the raw sort of commentary and, and my edits and all that stuff. And, and some people get a kick out of that. Um, you know, and just the early access is pretty cool. Uh, and that's true of the interview shows. You get those the night that I record them. Uh, when I record these on Sunday uh, during the season, you get them that day uh, as opposed to, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday or Monday, whenever it is that they drop. And so you get early access to all of our shows. We have like a text group uh, that we're on. And, uh, and there's a Zoom team. This is, I'm super excited about this. Uh, there's a Zoom team sort of get-together uh, in Tuscaloosa. We're all going go to uh, go to a game and hang out and hang, hit all the bars and, and um, all that stuff. And, and uh, we would love to have more people uh, participate with us. And, and the only place that we're sort of you know, advertising that, so to speak, I'm talking about it here, but is on the Zoom calls. And so it's a, it's, a, it's a subset that people get on the Zoom calls, which is a super great group of guys. And uh, we, we want more membership uh, in that group because it's just it's just so much darn fun. Plus, if you join the, the sort of the support, uh, you just like I am super grateful for everyone who downloads the show. I never could imagine that we would have the downloads that we do. Uh, but if you're supporting in that way, I, there's a, just a little extra uh, appreciation that I have because uh, this costs money to do, and uh, it's our thirteenth. Uh, it's the thirteenth or fourteenth season to do, uh, and it costs you know more than a thousand dollars a season to, to put this together. And uh, we really don't have any revenue streams, and so any uh, any support that uh, you know the do that that you might contribute is as part of the member. And again, it's just eighteen bucks a year is super greatly appreciated. Or two dollars a month. There's a you can just go uh, month to month, and so. That's what I got is a, is a hard sell. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to make a big deal of this time and time again. I, I try to bring it up in the, in the preseason. I'll mention it every so often, but not to make a hard sell over. We are super grateful for every listener. So if all you do is down, download and listen and never engage with us, we still appreciate you. Uh, we don't know you, but we appreciate you, and uh, we'd like to get to know you. Uh, at any rate, let's jump into the defense. Uh, we just went through the offense. Uh, we're going to step through the defense in sort of a similar fashion, position by position. We'll talk about sort of the players that I'm looking at to start. And again, as I'm recording this, the official depth chart from the university hasn't come out. And I mentioned this in the offensive show. That's okay because I don't want to say I don't care about the official depth chart, but I almost kind of don't care about the official depth chart because coach uses that as reward and motivation 
And what we see on the official depth chart is a lot of ands or ors and buts and commas, and, and it's like everyone is listed. Um, but when they line up on the field, it's, it's a different animal. And a lot of times what we see on the field does not at all match what uh, sort of was officially released. And so I am looking at this and I am projecting from, you know, my two cents who I think the players are going to be uh, at their respective positions and not so much just the starters, but some of the rotations. What are we going to see as the rotation? What are we going to see as, as you know, some, maybe some platooning? We're going to talk about that on defense more so than offense. But what are some of the rotations? What do we think is going to happen as we get into the season? Not just snap one of game one, but when we settle into a rotation, games three and four, what really are we seeing? And so those are the sort of the projections and, and predictions that, that, we're, that we're making here. All right, so let's jump into defensive line. And the starters, there's an incredible amount of depth across the, the def defensive line. And again, similar to you know, we talked about the wide receiver position, a lot of names, a lot of talent, but there's not that superstar uh, that everyone is going to sort of, you know, the roster will build itself around. And and the defensive front is very, very similar to that. There's an incredible amount of names, an incredible amount of talent, but there's not the bell cow. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that, how that evolves. There's going to be uh, Alabama especially rotates when there's talent, a lot of depth uh, across the defensive front. And so it's going to be interesting to see who the starters are, who are the second teams, what's sort of the five players that are uh, that we see most often uh, in the rotation. And then when truly the backups come in, what does that look like? And, and then, you know, maybe some rotations from there. And so that's that's kind of – that's sort of the foundation. Now let's jump into some names. I've, I've talked a lot. We're going to list three, and it, and it's the whole sort of mechanic of – formations and, and such. Uh, we say that we're a 3-4, but we're really a walk-up to defensive ends, and we play nickel uh, a lot in the back. And so we typically will play a four-man front, which is two defensive linemen and two outside linebackers or defensive ends, and then two linebackers and then five DBs. But it'll be listed as three defensive linemen. It'll be listed as a defensive end, a nose, and a defensive end. And so let's play along with that. And the starters listing it that way, defensive end, nose, defensive end, are going to be Byron Young, DJ Dale at nose, and Justin Abogby at the other defensive end. And I think that's a real solid defensive front. Now, for my money, you could give me the second set of three, and I might be nearly almost just as pleased. Uh, and the second three that that I would project are Jamil Burrows at defensive end, Tim Smith at nose, and John ja Moran Lathan as the other defensive end. That might be a little bit of a stretch, uh, but I like uh, I like Ja in his his athleticism, and I think he he's going to be able to uh, demonstrate some wiggle inside and uh, do some effective internal pass rush. And and I'm six names in, and I'm really kind of mad at myself that I can't find a place for Jaheim Oates, uh, Otis, because I think he has an opportunity to to really be uh, a star. Now, I'm seven names in, and I want to circle back and and talk about a couple of these guys. Byron Young is a guy that I think is next up. He's the next Phil Darian Mathis. I'm not saying he's going to be. 
Phil Mathis, but he's the next one sort of in that lineage. And uh, so I think he's going to be, uh, he's certainly going to be one to watch. He will be one that will have a hard time taking off of the field. Uh, DJ Dale at nose, he played really, really well as a freshman and then has just been injury plagued the rest of his, uh, almost the rest of his career. He's been good, but not as good as he was, was his freshman year. And a lot of fans are kind of down on him. And I don't want to fall into that camp. Although I know if he doesn't really start to perform this season, he will be passed by Tim Smith. And there were, there were instances last season where uh, Tim Smith came in very early in the game. He rotated in for DJ Dale very early. And there was a game, and I forget the game. I should have looked it up. But there was a game early in the season. I want to say it was Florida, though it may have been another game where, I don't know, there was a game where the opponent was driving. They were at like the three, and uh, were, they were going to score a touchdown, and Tim Smith just burst into the hole, saved a tackle, potentially saved that game, and I wish I could remember uh, so we could go back and, and, and have a little more sort of commentary on that. But the point is, Tim Smith, you know, if DJ Dell doesn't, uh, DJ Dale and Tim Smith, they might platoon at the position. Let's just say that. They may get equal reps uh, over the course of the season. Someone has to go in first, but that doesn't mean that the backup guy isn't as good or better. And Saban a lot of times will give the nod to the experienced guy, and so that would be Dale. Uh, but Tim Smith, watch out. And then Justin Aboigley has never been a superstar, but, man, he just is a professional at the position. Uh, he knows his responsibility. He takes it serious, and he performs. A lot of defensive linemen don't make the hurrah plays. It's, you know, the whole system is to channel to the linebackers. And he's just efficient, effective in what he does, even if it's not uh, always sort of making the hero play. I think uh, John Moran Lathan has more of an opportunity to, to potentially make more of the hero plays just because I think he's slippery inter- inside pass rushing. And then we talk about – or we mentioned we didn't talk about uh, Jim Burroughs uh, two years ago. He really burst. And then last season, not so much, but in A-Day, he really, really flashed. And so I think he has the opportunity. If he just kind of puts it all together, he has the opportunity to be uh, really special. And then I mentioned Jaheim Otis. Uh, dude's lost like 70 or 80 pounds uh, since he's been uh, at Tuscaloosa. That's not an easy thing to do. And uh, it just shows the level of dedication and passion that he has, I think he's really going to be a good player. And so we'll see it some this season. I think throughout his career, he's really going to be uh, a good player. And then there's a whole list of backups behind those guys. Now that's seven guys. So if we rotate pretty consistently seven guys and they all sort of contribute and there's not a drop-off, then as Alabama fans, we're going to be ecstatic. Uh, However, there's a whole list of fellas behind that first group that I think have a lot of talent, maybe less experience, maybe they need more reps, but they will rotate in. And when backups play, it'll be super interesting to see how these guys perform and which ones really step out. And so I would include in this list uh, Tim Keenan. Uh, Tim's a player. uh, This will officially be his second year at Tuscaloosa uh, at Alabama. But he did not play last year. He was recovering from an injury that he suffered in, in high school. And so this may be his first opportunity to, to really uh, compete for playing time. 
and I think he's going to be uh, a really good player. I, hard to make a prediction for him this season, uh, but let's see how he does as a as a backup and what sort of rotation play he might see in that capacity. Damon Payne uh, is another guy on the interior at the nose who I think has a lot of potential, uh, but I'd like to see him sort of deliver upon that. Uh, Mikel Goodwin, or Mon, uh, Monkel Goodwin, uh, Anquan Barnes, Curtis Perry, and Isaiah Hastings are all youngsters that I really look forward to, to seeing their development and what type of opportunity they can create for themselves this season as the season goes on. Again, the rotation in the second units might actually be a little more interesting than the starters because we kind of know who the starters are going to be and and, and we like them. Uh, but I think the future stars of the position are in those second and third team guys and which ones uh, can maybe seize an opportunity this season and certainly which ones can seize an opportunity uh, in the future. So that'll be certainly fun to watch. Let's shift to technically the outside linebacker position. Uh, you could call them defensive end. Certainly when you see Alabama line up, it looks like a four-man front. It's two down linemen and two outside linebackers, but they walk up hand in the dirt, so they really look like sort of an old-school defensive end. And, um, I mean, you know, I think the conversation starts and stops uh, with Will Anderson. We spent so much time last season talking about Will Anderson and his stat line and just how amazing it, and as impressive as his stats were. And and they blew everyone out of the water at his position. And that's why everyone was disappointed. He didn't even, you know, he didn't, there was an award that he didn't win that, you know, the, the Michigan guy won and Michigan's guys' numbers weren't nearly as good as, as Will Anderson's. And then the Michigan guy got to go to the Heisman Award and, and Will Anderson didn't. And so you could talk about there's some injustice there. And, and I agree. But Will Anderson, I think, is widely heralded as, as probably, you know, the best player in, in college football. And, and, and in terms of a couple of these guys, I'm actually going to use Will Anderson as a, as, as a unit of measure. You know, for all the, the, the point I was going to make, uh, for all of his stats, which were damn impressive, we spent game after game after game after game almost like questioning, are we sure that those are all the numbers that Will Anderson had? Did he only really just have a sack and a half in that game? Because, like, there were quarters where he dominated every single play. There were possessions, there were drives, you know, where every single play he was making a play. And it may not have been the tackling of the quarterback, but it was the rushing that forced or allowed someone else to tack, tackle the quarterback, or it was the rush that caused the bad pass. He was influencing and impacting, affecting the quarterback, as Saban says, on almost every play, even if it didn't register in the, in his in his stat line. And then and, and that's game after game after game. And then you add them up, and it's like, damn, those are, those are really good stats. But on a game-over-game game basis, it's like those stats don't even represent the level of contribution that he had. He's that good of a player. And so we really love us uh, some Will Anderson. But I'm going to use Will Anderson as a unit of measure. And so check this out with me. When we're talking about the defensive ends or outside linebackers, Dallas Turner is the next Will Anderson. And Chris Braswell has taken the long route to being a Will Anderson. Now, will they literally both be as good as Will Anderson? No. But they're going to be damn close. 
And so Dallas Turner sort of burst on the seams. He was third at the position, uh, third string at the position with injuries last year. But by the end of the season, he had an incredible number of sacks. And I think he had two two sack games, which we predicted on the podcast, uh, just because he was coming into his own and he was playing opposite Will Anderson. And so now he has a name. Will Anderson, certainly people know that. It's really going to be a struggle. I would not want to be an offensive line coach, an offensive lineman, a coach sort of game game planning uh, for those two guys. And then Chris Braswell, who I think is nearly as talented as Will Anderson. He just, his development has progressed maybe a little bit slower. And uh, I think he is primed to burst. Uh, Will Anderson burst early and, and Chris Braswell, similar talent. He just is low. He, he was a slower cooking uh, deliverable. But I think he is uh, sort of taking the long route to being a Will Anderson type player. So the fact that we have three is phenomenal. And it will be very interesting to see uh, rotations there. And then how we try to get, you know, all three on the on the field at once. There's some speculation that uh, uh, that will happen. And, and speculation, I mean, Saban said it after A-Day. But, you know, in the moment, I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, certainly will be a fun thing to watch. There's certainly some youngsters to watch for uh, watch as well. Uh, uh, Cano, uh, uh, Cote, or Cot, Quandarius, Robinson, Jeremiah, Alexander, and uh, Demoy Kennedy. I think there's a lot of depth at that position, and so it's going to be fun to see you know how that uh, how that plays out uh, as the season progresses. I like uh, I like a lot of what we have there. Inside linebacker, uh, I think it's pretty clear. Henry Toa has come back. He was the leading tackler for Alabama in 2021. Uh, so we're super excited to have him back. He's a player that very clearly could have gone pro. And uh, he decided that he wanted to come back to Alabama. It was sort of a coup that he came back. Uh, that was like a recruiting win, if you will, to have him back. So that's phenomenal. Uh, Jalen Moody is back. Uh, he entered the portal because there was some speculation that Christian Harris may also come back. And if Christian Harris uh, had not sort of declared for the NFL, then I think Jalen Moody would have left. <clears throat> now, if you get if you let me choose between those two players, I'm going to pick Christian Harris. Uh, but I really like Jalen Moody. Uh, I don't want to call him like an old school middle linebacker. Uh, I don't want to go quite that far, but he's a heavier linebacker, and I'd say he he for a, a linebacker he plays box in as opposed to box out. And so if you see him backing up into coverage, that's not what we want him to do. We want him against running teams on running downs to play box forward. And so what that might mean, and uh, this is a little bit of a prediction here, sort of the third player for the two positions inside linebacker is Demoy Kennedy. I say watch for Demoy Kennedy and Jalen Moody to platoon at the position. And it, it won't be running down, passing down, but it might be this, you know, running, if we think a running team, then maybe Jalen plays more. If it's a passing team, Des Moines might play more uh, down in distance, a long third down, we may rotate uh, some guys in. And so it, it won't be every play, but there'll be a pattern and that'll be fun to watch. And Des Moines has the opportunity to uh, overtake uh, Jalen at the position. It's not to say Jalen is not talented. Uh, I just think Des Moines might have more upside and more versatility uh, in the passing game. So that's certainly going to be something 
uh, to watch out for. But I'm a fan of Jalen Moody. I've always been a fan of, of Jalen Moody, and uh, I root for his. <clears throat> I root for uh, certainly his uh, for his success. Uh, another player that fans are super excited to see uh, on the field is Kendrick uh, Blackshear. Uh, I think he's going to get some reps uh, at the position, especially as we get into in, into some depth uh, type situations or, or you know rotations uh, and games that are sort of settled. Uh, Ian Jackson is going to be an interesting uh, fellow to watch. I've, I just back to his recruiting. There are so many articles about his intelligence on the field. And uh, I don't know if I made this up in my head or if I read this somewhere, uh, but, the, you know, almost like he's a Sean Dion Hamilton type player. And Dion Hamilton was and we ran this was years ago. We kind of ran the numbers. Alabama's winning record when he started versus when he didn't. And at one point it was like undefeated when he started and like two and three when he didn't start. Uh, and he had a couple injuries. And uh, it, it's almost diabolical, uh, the contribution that he had. Now, I'm not saying Ian, uh, uh, Ian Jackson is going to be exactly that. But when I think of Sean Deanna Hamilton, that's what I think of. And so if Ian Anderson is cut from that cloth, then it might be interesting to see how he develops and what type of uh, role. Now, I think he'll have an opportunity to compete for a starting position next year. But rotation standpoint, the rotation this year – will tell us if he has an opportunity to start next year. There, I said it. Jahid uh, Campbell, uh, Jahad Campbell, and then Sean Murphy. Campbell likely is a superstar on special teams, and then I think he'll grow into a role. He'll play some. Sean Murphy, I might consider more of a uh, Jalen Moody type player, and Moody was a star on special teams for a long time. And so Sean Murphy may have an opportunity to play on special teams as well. Uh, Again, an incredible amount of talent at the linebacker position. And uh, I look forward to the starters seeing how that unfolds. And then again, watching the depth and the youth as they rotate in, uh, that'll be a, a barrel of fun as well. Let's shift to the corners. And uh, a lot of times I do safeties first, but I think there's more sort of, I think there's more sort of intrigue at the safety position than I think there are at the corners. And there's plenty of intrigue uh, at the corner position. Kool-Aid McKinstry is going to be one of the corners, and he's really given up his uh, hoops dream and uh, focused solely on football in the cornerback position. I think he's going to have a breakout position. I think he's going to be a lockdown corner uh, as the season progresses. He's going to take away one half of the field, and um, and I just I think that he has that kind of skill set. At the other corner position, there's a little bit of a battle. Uh, and then both players have been injured, which kind of throws the battle, uh, throws a wrinkle in the battle. So Kyrie Jackson, who I think is a big corner, and I think he has all the talent in the world uh, at the position. He's competing with Eli Ricks, who's a transfer from LSU, who was a freshman All-America, and clearly he has a lot of talent too. Both have been injured in camp, and then Eli has coming back from an injury that he had that kept him out from playing last year. And so if either of them, it's almost like whoever can come back to full health first um, has the best shot of winning the position. Uh, Eli has the disadvantage of not knowing the system. And Saban's not going to put a corner out there that doesn't understand the system. And so the speculation early that I read, which I, I subscribe to, 
is that Kyrie would be the starter to start the season, and then Eli would come along and beat him out at the position once he was up to speed with the defense. And that makes a lot of sense to me because I think Eli Ricks' upside is greater than Kyrie Jackson, and boy, do I really like Kyrie's upside. But here's the sneaky watch. Taron Arnold, coming into a sophomore season, played rarely last season, and, and he was a player that everyone said, you can't keep him off the field. He's that talented. But there was just so much talent in the secondary, and plus he was playing at a safe at a, at a safety position that he just couldn't break through. Well, he's talented enough to play corner, and he's been moved to the cornerback position. And he has time in the system that Ricks doesn't have, and he has health that neither Kyrie or Ricks have. And so a sneaky watch is for – Taron Arnold to take the corner position at least early in the season opposite of Kool-Aid. So that will be a super thing, a super interesting thing to watch. Uh, and if someone gets beat and there's sort of a quick rotation at the position, does Arnold come in even that first or second game? How early does he come in that first or second game? Certainly might be something to watch. Now, when they're all healthy and they're all ready to go, then I like that four-pack of corners, McKinstry, Jackson, Ricks, and Arnold. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, sort of how that settles. But I think McKinstry's at one position. It's three players. Uh, and I think Arnold is listed as the backup for McKinstry because, you know, the the boundary in, in the field uh, corners. But if Ricks and Jackson can't play, then Arnold could play the other side and don't think that he hasn't practiced on that side because he most assuredly has. And so that's four players uh, for two positions. So that goes that gives you a quick two deep uh, at the cornerback position. Uh, and again, boy, that I don't know that a team can go talent-wise four deep at the corner position like Alabama can. And then there's a handful of of uh, additional youngster players. Likely, I mean, we'll see them rotate in and special teams, and it'll be fun to watch sort of who gets more time on the field because that's an indicator of of who likely can compete for the position uh, next year. Uh, but uh, most of what we'll hear from these guys will be in the spring. But Jaquez Robinson, uh, uh, Traquan uh, Fagans, Earl Little Jr., and Antonio Kite are all guys that are progressing and I think have talent uh, at the position. I just don't think we see a lot of them at the cornerback position outside of blowouts and sort of mop-up duty. I don't think we see a lot of them at the position in uh, 2022. The star position, which is really the nickel corner, is a simplified way of looking at it. The star position, which is really the nickel corner, is a simplified way of looking at it. There's been speculation, is it going to be Brian Branch or is it going to be Malachi Moore? Uh, in 2021, it was Brian Branch because Malachi Moore was injured. Uh, there were games in which, uh, I think there was a month uh, in which Malachi Moore didn't play. But in 2020, Malachi Moore was a freshman All-America. Uh, at the position. So they're both super talented. It's just a function of health. Uh, I think star, which is we play Alabama plays a, a, just a shit ton of nickel. And so star is in effect a starting position. Uh, so Brian Branch, I think is going to play the star position. And I think the dime or the money position, uh, I think we'll go to Malachi Moore. And there's speculation that it could be one of the other safeties. I think it's going to be Malachi Moore, which is super, super excited because I've been talking about this you know, for the last two seasons, 
that is, is there any way that we can get Brian Branch and Malachi Moore on the field at the same time? And in a dime package, when we have both the star and the money on the field, my prediction is that we're going to have both of them on the field, Brian Branch and Malachi Moore. And that is just going to be phenomenal because they're both safeties because we call the star and money safety positions, but they're both corner talented. And we've talked for years that Alabama is better when the star is a corner talent as opposed to a safety talent. And when we have a star and a money that are corner talents, that is going to be pretty damn impressive. Uh, so that'll be, uh, that will be something uh, that'll be super exciting uh, to watch. Now the safeties, uh, the safeties I think is going to be interesting because everyone, every, it's everywhere you read, it's cut and dried. It's Jordan Battle and DeMarco Helms. And they're right, but to a point. I don't think it's 100% cut and dried that they're the, that they're going to play and this, they're the, the two starters and, and that that's the end of the story. I don't believe that. DeMarco Helms, I will say this, I think he, I think he sort of branded himself as Hitman Helms, uh, which I'm going to tell you is a little bit cheesy, but he ain't wrong. I was watching a highlight reel of his plays, and it, he is a hitter. He is a thumper, and so if you go back and sort of curate the plays, you know, and think about this guy's a killer, and I could also curate plays where he looks like a bonehead. <laughs> I love the guy. Uh, I'm just saying he he's uh, – I want to say this the right way. I mean, he is, like, always racking up just incredible numbers of tackles. He makes incredible plays, but he's always good for that one gaff per game. And we've all seen it. We've all, we all know what I'm talking about. We also know that Helms has platooned with Daniel Wright at the position. And Daniel Wright was kind of known for his bonehead plays uh, every now and again. Both of them incredibly talented. A little bit different uh, personnel. Daniel Wright was more of the speedster, a little bit lighter, and Helms is more of the thumper and, and a little bit you know heavier in, in that regard. Both very talented. You need both you know types of players uh, in the secondary. What I think happens is that especially if Malachi Moore – is healthy, is back up to full health, then I think he platoons with Helms at the position. So Helms may well be the starter, but Malachi will platoon with him at the position. And then what you might see is Malachi Moore at the safety position. Then when we go to dime, we bring in Helms. And so everyone will say, well, Helms is, is, the, is the money. No, Helms is going to come in and play the safety position, and Malachi Moore will move to the money position. So that'll be something uh, interesting to watch. I would actually predict that. Like, I'm going to pound the table uh, and predict that. I think Helms and Malachi, especially if Malachi is healthy, uh, or conditionally if he's healthy, then I think they platoon at the position. And that makes me very, very happy because all that does is provide more reps, more plays, that Brian Branch and Malachi Moore are on the field at the same time. I really like the uh, – there's some depth that we have at the position. Now we've talked about, uh, again, three players for two positions. So there's some incorporated depth there, if you will. Uh, I really like Christian Story. I've always sort of been a, a fan of his. Uh, he was a high school quarterback, and, uh, and that's not unusual to put your most talented athlete – uh, at the quarterback position because they're going to touch the ball uh, every play, and then you just let them go out and make plays. 
and then when it's time for college, they're athletic enough to play at college, just not at the quarterback position. So you have to find a home for them. A lot of those players end up as wide receivers, running backs, or in the secondary. And Christian Story has found himself uh, in the secondary. And so he was recruited uh, knowing knowing that. There's a, no surprises. He's been in the program a couple of years. And so he's he's one of those players that, that fans, I don't want to say forget about, but he's not top of mind because you think about who's the starter today and who's the new guy. And in that, that middle of the sandwich, a lot of fans don't think about. Well, Christian Story is going to be one of those guys like a Robert Lester. Robert Lester played five years at Alabama. He played uh, – and here's, here's, here's the thing. Here's sort of my thing with Robert Lester. Robert Lester was on the same – I think they were even on the same high school team. He came in in the same recruiting class as Julio Jones. Well, Robert Lester – Stuck around and and he would play in spots. His junior and he redshirted one season. In his his junior year, he played a little bit. In his senior year, he was a full time starter and con, and was a contributor. He came in. He graduated high school with Julio Jones. Came in the same recruiting class, but Julio Jones was a two year NFL player, just as Robert Lester was coming into his own. And Lester got a sort of a an opportunity in the NFL, but just, you know, he wasn't quite that talented. Uh, and Christian Sori might be that same kind of guy. His, his marination period is just a little bit different, a little bit longer. And so he did not come into Alabama day one, ready to start. But as he gets into his, you know, a red shirt season there, that as a junior and senior, he may have an opportunity to start. And so Christian Sori is not starting this season. He might be in the – well, he will be in the rotation, especially depth uh, with the second team. But come next spring, he may compete for a starting position. And so Christian Story is going to be a guy to watch. How does he perform in 2022 for the sake of what's going to be the foundation of the basis uh, for 2023? So those are some fun sort of storylines there, no pun intended. Uh, Devonta Smith, uh, not that one. Another one, you can't – you know, <laughs> I wish we could have a Smitty on the team every year. Uh, but uh, we have a Devonta Smith in the secondary. Uh, I think he came in as a corner, and did, maybe he's going to be more of a free safety type. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays plays out. And then Jake Pope is a true freshman, and he's going to man the uh, safety position as well. And so he may – I have a sneaky suspicion that he's going to make a name for himself in special teams. So we'll see uh, – we'll certainly see how that comes out. Uh, speaking of special teams, I'm just going to do a couple quick sort of thoughts on special teams. Will Reichert's going to kick. I don't think anyone has any trouble with that. Uh, James Burnup is going to handle punts. And we know what I think about that from last season. I don't know that I was ever super impressed uh, with him last season. He was good. He was okay. Uh, I thought he had a lot of short punts, and his standard deviation and his punts I thought was uh, was greater than than what you'd want. Uh, to the point that I was surprised that other guys weren't getting uh, opportunities. And then there was a couple of guys that would fit that bill. But the one that probably surprised me the most was Jack Martin. Why did he not get an opportunity? I think he kicked it, kicked at Troy. And I think he averaged, you know, 46 yards at 45, 46 yards uh, at Troy. Uh, and so literally that's kind of right down the road. Why do we go to Australia to bring in a guy that's not familiar with the American game and then force him, you know, to start ahead of, of Jack that, just on paper, didn't make sense to me. I didn't watch all the practices, and so I'm sure there's, uh, I'm sure the coaches are smarter than I am in that regard. But on paper, that didn't make sense, and so, uh, and there's really never been any story or explanation, and probably never will be. But 
I will ask the question. Uh, Neyland, uh Hibbert will snap, and if that's the last time I mention him all season, that's probably a good thing, and such is the life of long snappers. Kickoff returns and punt returners, I think there's a lot of this sort of up in the air, uh, but I think uh, I think Saban has an interest in using uh, Jamar Gibbs or uh, Jamar Gibbs uh, in probably both of those positions. I am not a big fan of like your star feature franchise player at a running back or wide receiver or, or even a cornerback position doing that. Uh, but I think Saban has no problem with it. And so I think Gibbs will uh, handle uh, at least kickoffs, maybe punt returns. I think Tyler Harrell has an opportunity uh, as kickoff. Saban has said that, you know, he has the speed to do the kickoff returner, but probably not punt returner. I, just, I think there's two different body types and two sort of dynamics uh, in play. And so the, you know, like Jamo last year with the kickoff returns, sort of an open field and you can, you have a little more time to get up to speed because uh, players are coming from farther away. But Jamo is a guy that might be broken in half as a part in a part return uh, where they're, they're trying to tackle you even as you're catching the ball. Uh, and so Harrell, I think, has an opportunity to kick off returner. It certainly has a speed for it. At part returner, uh, I still think of JoJo Earl uh, at that position, although obviously he's going to be out for a stretch. Uh, Emmanuel Henderson uh, and or some of the other youngsters will have an opportunity there as well. So I'm, I'm less predicting that other than I just think, you know, there's just some guys to watch there and, We'll find out real quick uh, on Saturday, you know, who's going who's gonna to start those uh, those positions. You know, net, if we net this out, uh, I think the Alabama defense is going to be nasty. Uh, there's a lot of returning experience and just a ton of talent uh, on the defense. There's a lot of guys that could have left uh, that decided to come back. Uh, Helms and Battle and Toa, uh, Toa Toa Moody almost left. Um, I just think there's so many guys that could have left that all came back and, and are going to cast their lot on this team. I think this uh, this Alabama defense has the opportunity just to be flat nasty. You know, I would say hide the women and children and then put your affairs in order. Uh, this defense is, is not just happy to be here, uh, and for damn sure they're not hunting for another participation trophy. Uh, they're out for blood. Uh, they're out for a national title. And so uh, buckle up. It's almost uh, kickoff time, and um, you know I sort of finished with this man uh, Dixieland delight for sure, right? Because this defense is just going to be outstanding. This Alabama team uh, is going to be outstanding. So we'll come back in. Uh, I think Monday night. I'm recording an uh, interview with the Utah uh, folks. I look forward to that. I got to do some prep for that. But I watched their game uh, earlier tonight, and some things I liked about them, some things I didn't. You know, I think. Um, I think they're really good uh, for their their conference and sort of their level of play, and that's not a knock. They went from a one-win team, uh, a one-win team uh, two years ago to an 11-win team last year. That is damn impressive. You have to have a lot of talent to do that. Uh, they have a super senior coming back at quarterback uh, who has a lot of talent. I really like some of their skill uh, position players. And then they do things a little differently in terms of, of how they line up. The closest, and it's not even a good proxy. Um, I was going to say the closest proxy might be Mississippi State, but they, but Utah State runs the ball, which is a whole dynamic that the Mississippi State doesn't have. Uh, and in fact, Utah State has tight ends on the roster. And if you'll remember with our interview with Steve Robertson uh, last year, Mississippi, Mississippi State at the time did not have a tight end on the roster. And so, so similarities and differences with Mississippi State. 
Uh, we've seen how the last couple of years with Mississippi State has gone. Uh, we'll see how this weekend with uh, Utah State uh, goes. No predictions, but uh, I like the good guys. All right. With that, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Thanks for listening. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout out, a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.